0: I'm so glad that you are here this morning, and here's what I really want to do. And I've been praying a lot about this uh, for this entire series. That's why I really want you to try to be here every single Sunday. Today is part two of four message, uh, four messages in this series. And you know, I was thinking a lot about this, and you know, I, I look in so many of you uh, that are a part of our church family, hundreds of people now. Uh, that are hundreds of people that are now a part of our church. And I just, you know, I look at my life and, uh, you know, undeniably, I, I want my family to be blessed. I want to live a blessed life. I want our future to be blessed. But I also feel that about you because I feel like you are my family. You know, I've got a physical family, but then I've got a church family, a spiritual family. And so when I look at you, no matter how old you are or young you are or you know if you've been in church a long time or not, whatever your skin color is, economic background, all of you matter to God and you matter to me and I want you to be I want you to be blessed. I want your future to be bright. I want you to be in the center of God's will. Just like I want that for my life and I want it for my family, I also want that for you. So while I've been working on these messages, you know, I've been praying, been saying, God, please, you know, help me to be able to help our church family and I think You know that we'll be able to do that today. In fact, I'm going to ask you to give me some of your best uh, thinking for the next few moments. As I get ready to get started, I have my notes with me. Try not to be too reliant upon them, but I've always got them with me. But I do need to offer a disclaimer this morning in case you happen to hear a a random word or I say something that has no connection to the message whatsoever. And here's why I say that. Uh, A couple of days ago, uh, my, my notes were anointed with Chick-fil-A iced tea. <laughs> I know a lot of people anoint with oil, but my notes have been anointed with Chick-fil-A iced tea. And so I think I can see them. They look uh, slightly blurry as I look at them. Now, they're, they're not too bad. They're, they're doable. But if you hear me say something, you're like, you know, has he lost his mind? No, I just have anointed notes. So I just wanted to be clear about that. Now, last Sunday, as we kicked off this series, I shared with you three things the Bible tells us that we need to do to experience God's blessings for the future. Because we saw last week, Jeremiah 29, 11, that God has a good future in store for you. And I, I believe that that is descriptive of every one of you, that God wants to bless your life, that you, as I mentioned a moment ago, that you matter to God. You matter greatly to God. You're His uh, child. You're His son. You're His daughter. His daughter. And so God wants to bless your life and your future, but there's a role that we play, and I'll I'll come to that in just a couple of moments. Now, last week when we dove into this series, I mentioned to you that uh, if we're going to experience God's blessings, if we're going to have His hand upon our life moving forward into the future, then we're going to need a plan. And we looked at that in the life of Joshua, how that we need a plan, how that our life needs to be centered in God's Word. And we looked at the Scriptures when we were looking at His life in that regard, and that we need to step out with courage and in faith and just go ahead and say, you know what? I can either live on this side of the Jordan or I can go to the other side of the Jordan, which is the land of promise, which is what God has for me. So I'm going to step out with courage. I'm going to believe God. I'm going to have faith. Now, we need to do that. Now, please hear what I'm about to say. This is so important. Before we wade into this fascinating New Testament passage that we're about to examine, I, I, I want you to, to take just a moment And I want you to see these very, very important words. Please hear these words again. They're not on the screen, but I read them to you last week, and they were on the screen uh, last week. And even as I get ready to read from my notes, I see this is one of those anointed pages. So it says this, see, I've set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you this day to love the Lord your God, to walk in His ways, and to keep His commands Decrees and laws, then God says, You're going to live and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you're entering into possess, the land of promise. But then he gives the flip side, and you remember this if you were here last week. But if your heart turns away and you are not obedient, and if you're drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you're crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. And then it says, and this is very important, this is what I want you to really, really listen to. This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I have said before you, listen to the options, life and death, blessings and curses. And then the Lord is speaking through his people, and he says, now, and this is God revealing his will, now choose life. I want you to choose life. I want my hand, God is saying, to be upon your life. I want to bless your life. I want you to move forward in the future with my blessings on your life, but you've got to choose, and I want you to choose life so that you, and not only you, but also that your children may be blessed. Now, it is it is incredibly true that God has a great plan for your life and for your future, but as I mentioned to you last week, it is not automatic. It is not just going to happen. It is not involuntary. You cannot just say, well, you know, my life has already been determined completely, and no matter what I do, no matter you know, if I drift or I'm intentional, no matter what I do, if I just sort of, you know, go through the rest of my life, nothing is going to change the outcome of my life. It is what it is. And that is not accurate in regards to the Bible. God has a plan, but you're going to need to take possession of the plan. Just as God was speaking to his kids, and you got to get this now, as God was speaking to his kids and saying, I have provided for you a land of abundance. I have provided for you the land of promise. I've done everything from my van- vantage point that I could do, but now you've got to go in and you've got to take possession of the land. And I think, friends, that God looks at your life and mine. And God is saying, you know what I've done? I've gone before you. The Bible says that God will go before us and God is able to make crooked paths straight and God does his portion. But then God looks at us and says, you know what? I've done what I'm going to do, but I need you to go in now and take possession of the life that I have for you. To the earlier Israelites, it was take possession of land. To you and to me, it is take possession of the life that God fully intended. In fact, God says, you know what God says? God says, you get to choose. I get to choose. He said, you can choose life and prosperity or death and destruction. Your choice. You can choose life or death, blessings or curses. You choose. You choose. And then God, you, you heard me read it a moment ago. You choose life. I want you to choose life. Choose life so that you're going to be blessed and those who are coming after you are going to be blessed. Now, before we get into the passage this morning, which is out of the New Testament, I want you to think about this for just a second. Hear me out. The person who says, I am going to be successful, and the person who says, I am going to fail are both right. And I'll tell you what I mean. The person who says, I can do it with God's help, and then the person who says, I can't do it, both both of them are right. For the person who says, you know, in regards to the future, the future of my life, it is going to be better than what it's already been, and, and then you take the adverse of that, the person who says, you know what, when I look at the future, I know, sort of pessimistic, I know that it's going to be worse than what my life has been. Do you know both of them are going to be right? And, and you say, Well, you know, Jeff, how is it that you can say that? I want you to listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 9. Jesus said, According to your faith, will it be done to you. You with me on that? According to your faith. Person who says, With God's help, I'm going to be successful. With God's help, I can do it. With God's help, my future is going to be better than even my past has been. That person, God says, according to your faith, will it be done to you? The person who says, listen now, the person who says, I'll find some way to fail. The person who says, I cannot do it. The person that has a fatalistic mentality in regards to the future. You know what? They will find a way to cause that to become a reality for their life. Are you with me on that? Does that make any sense at all? And that's why God is saying, you've got to take possession of, of the life that I have for you. Now, some of you may be unaware of this, but Jesus uh, had numerous brothers and sisters. Maybe we'd call them half-brothers and sisters, because we know that uh, uh, Joseph, technically speaking, was his earthly father, but uh, Joseph was not responsible for his birth. Mary, we know, was a virgin. But he has one of his brothers, a guy by the name of James... And it actually took Jesus' resurrection to really convince James that Jesus was who he said that he was. And then James is so powerfully impacted by his half-brother's resurrection and the life that he lived that that James becomes an instrumental and influential leader in the early church. And he actually writes a book. It's in the New Testament. And this morning, I want to draw your attention to five verses found in chapter 4, the guys are going to put these verses up on the screen for you to look at. And this is what we're going to talk about because we're talking about uh, preparing for your future, realizing the life that God has for you. Now, we're going to draw some things out of this. This is James. This is chapter 4, Look, beginning in at verse 13. The half-brother of Jesus, he says, Now, listen, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city. We're going to spend a year there. We're going to carry on business and make money. And then James says, why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast and brag, all such boasting is evil. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it since. Now, this, friends, is a very, very powerful passage of Scripture. And in it, we find three mistakes that people often make in regards to their future. And, and we're going to look at this. It's so important that, that we take all of this into consideration. We know what we saw from the life of Joshua Last week, in terms of preparing for the future, now we're going to take a little bit different look at it and we're going to talk about three mistakes that can easily be made when somebody is looking forward to moving toward their future. Now, at first glance, uh, from what we just read, nothing seems too unacceptable here. This guy that James is referencing has been busy at work, he's been busy planning. And you have to give the guy some credit because most people do not plan. And the Bible has example after example as to why planning is a good thing. I'll read some, a couple of other verses in regards to that. We read a lot of them last week. But planning, uh, the Proverbs, the wisdom writings talk about that a lot. Others who talk about the good of planning. So the problem is not with this guy because he is a planner. That is not the problem. The problem is not that he lacks competency. By all accounts, he's probably a very intelligent guy. That is is not the problem. It's not that his planning is wrong. It's not that, uh, you know, he's incompetent. It's none of those things. The reality is, the reality is we're going to come to this. This is a guy that had really thought things out. When am I going to do this? Where, again, his planning is so strategic. Here's where I'm going to do it. Here's how long I'm going to be there. Here's what I'm going to do. And here's the reason why I'm going to do it. But his plan is very similar to the common mistakes that often people make. And and it's it's what I want to talk to you for the next few moments. So again, for just a little while, before we're done, I want you to give me some of your best thinking right here. It is a mistake, firstly, be sure you get this down somewhere. It is a mistake to, here it is, to make our plans without God. This business guy, James is saying, So what James is saying, he took a wrong turn. And again, it wasn't because he lacked competency. It wasn't because he was not activistic. His dilemma was that he never consulted God in his planning. And he may have been a rather decent guy, but this is the part that I think God wants us to get. And what James is speaking to is that this guy's fatal mistake was that he never invited God into his business plan. He just kept God out of the situation. In fact, look at verse 13 right here. The guys are going to put that up. Look here. This is James saying, you who say, today or tomorrow, we're going to a certain town and we'll stay there a year. We will do business there and make a profit. So it's like James is saying, this guy, he's thinking it all through. He's really thinking it out well but he's just not bringing God into the equation of his life and his business and his future. Now, I know that we have in our church uh, a lot of business people, a lot of businessmen and women. Now, if if I were to go to you privately and I were to ask you, if you were a Christian, you would say, well, Jeff, why would you even? You know I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. Yes. If, if I were to ask you, all right, then do you sincerely love Jesus? You'd say, what are you doing, Jeff? You know me. You know me well enough to know. Absolutely. Of course, I love Jesus. But then, if I ask you beyond that, does Jesus have any say in your business? And furthermore, is it beyond that? Is Jesus definitely Lord over your business? Then, how would you re- respond to that? And I'd hope that all of you, I pray that all of you, 100% of you, would say, you know what? I, I have brought God into my business. It's my business. I started my business. God has been good to me, but I recognize at the end of the day, the real CEO, the real owner of my company is God. I recognize that the one who is truly in charge is God. I recognize that the one is who is helping to lead and guide me and the business decisions that I make and the day to day and week to week and month to month things that I'm doing, I'm doing it with integrity. I'm doing it. Why? Because I believe this is a business that God has given to me and He is Lord over my business. And this this is what James is saying. This guy wasn't doing. It was like, I, 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 I'm going to do this. I'm going here. Here's where I'm going. Here's how long I'm going to be there. Here's the reason why I'm going. And he's just, but he's never bringing up God. Now, some of you may not know this about me, but uh, I felt called into ministry when I was really, really young. I mean, very, very young. But then I started questioning it. I wasn't questioning God, Maybe I was just questioning my own worthiness of being able to be in in ministry. Maybe I was questioning, and I think for me, looking back now as I'm much older now, I think for me it was like, you know what, If if God is not specifically laying his hand upon me to be a pastor and a spiritual leader and to teach the Bible, then the last thing I want to do is to do that because I would need to know that I know that I know that I know that that's what God wants me to do, and I have that assurance now, but I went through a season in high school when I'm like, I'm, I'm not sure that that's what I need to do, and, and I started thinking about, well, you know what, and I grew up in Atlanta, and Atlanta is booming, and so I started, and again, I wasn't a rebel. I wasn't running from God. I was doing my devotions. I was going to church. I was loving Jesus. I was devoted, but I wasn't really bringing, you know, looking back now, I wasn't really bringing Jesus into that domain, into that region of my future vocation life. So I had this idea, and I was 17 years of age. I um, I, I turned 17 in December. I actually took some uh, courses, doubled up on some courses, so I was able to actually finish school in January after I just turned 17. I graduated. Uh, you know, at the end of May, 1st of June. And then I already had this plan. Atlanta is booming. It's, it seems to have never stopped. Booming. Houses everywhere. And so I developed this notion of thought, I'm going to go to school, and I'm going to learn this, this trade. And I'll tell you the trade in just a moment. And then here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to learn it well enough to know, no, and then I'm going to start a business, and then I'm going to grow a business, and then I'm going to make a big pile of money. And that was my thinking, and you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. And some of you, you know, have have done that. You've you had a dream, you you started a business, you grew a biz- business, you made a, a pile of money, and you know, I I hope and pray uh, that you've kept God in the uh, priority position of your company or, or your business. But I just had all of these illusions. So I'm 17, and I just think, you know what? I have this, and some people are talking to me, so I say. And, and I started, I went to heating and air conditioning school. I'm going to learn this. I'm going to learn it, and they're building. I'm going to learn every aspect of it. I'm going to learn how the installation side of it. You know, in my mind, my 17-year-old mind, I'm going to get these big contracts. I'm going to get together with these builders. It's not just going to be a one-man deal. It's going to be a 10-man deal and then a 100-man deal, and there's going to be my vehicles all over the metro. And so I have all of these dreams going on. But, I, you know, looking back now, I wasn't really bringing God into that. And that was my mistake. It wasn't that I didn't love God. I just wasn't bringing God into that and wasn't really asking, God, is that exactly what you want me to do? And I started struggling with that. I started, you know, the, the tension there, like what I thought I was really going to enjoy. It was like there was, for me, no fulfillment in that. Aside from that, looking back, I've I, I don't know that I would have been very good at that. The first three houses I went and, you know, did their work, and then I adjusted the thermostat and the toilet flushed, and I don't know how that, no, that didn't really happen. I just made that up. That, 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 that's not even possible, but, uh, but, it, but you, get, you get the point. It was like, you know, why, looking back, had I not made, um, you know, God's will my priority? My mistake was I didn't fully invite God into that region of my life. And so later, because God is so good and so kind and so patient, I can remember the day when I actually, this little house out in the suburbs, I came home, and I can remember the spot where I just sort of stretched myself face down on the floor and prayed the shortest but most powerful prayer that would shape the direction of my life that I've ever prayed. And all I said to God, and God knew what I meant, and I knew. I simply said, God, I will do what you want me to do. And uh, this weight came off of me. Immediately, I called my home pastor right after that. And I started, in in fact, I said to him, you know, back in that day, you you called him brother. And I said, Brother Bray, Brother Bray, I know that God has called me into ministry. You know what he said to me? He had the audacity to saying, he said, I knew it. You just needed to discover it. You just needed to know. And I said, well, I know. Started making from that, that moment forward plans. Moved uh, not too long, maybe six months later. Moved here to Lakeland. Went to Southeastern University. But, you know, for me, looking back, I would have saved myself some time and effort and money had I invited God into, the, into that domain of my life early on. I want you to look at this next verse, verse 15. Look at this one. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will we will live and do this or that. You see, I think, follow me on this now, follow me. I think at the beginning of our planning, planning is good. And, and this guy is not being faulted because he's a planner. He is being faulted because he, he left God out of his planning. As we plan in the beginning, we ought to ask God, God, what do you want me to do? When you're thinking about your future, whatever it is, when you're thinking about your future, and again, you know, I love you guys. I want to help you. This is so important to me because you're my family. And and when you're thinking about your your future, your future education, your future relationships, your future uh, business, your future dreams and goals and ideas, I think it's so important at the beginning of that to do something that I should have done. And that is to say, God, what is it that you want me to do? what do you want me to do? What direction do you want me to take with my life? And then at the end of our planning, we should say, then God, let it be done if this is completely your will. Let it be done if this is your will. Friends, I cannot overemphasize the importance of God's will for your life. See, God's will for our lives is not just pertaining. See, you you may think that I'm talking about me because I'm a pastor, that Jeff, you're the only person in the room that really has to think about God's will for your life and your future. That is not true. You've got to think about God's will for your life. God loves you as much as God loves me. God loves your future and has just as good a plans for your future as He does mine. It is not just about God's will for my life because I happen to be a pastor and teach the Bible. It's about God's will for your life. And you wanna be in the center of God's will. And you wanna, are, are you with me on this? You have got to bring God. You cannot make all these plans and leave God out. Be a planner, be creative, but don't leave God out. I'll give you a little example, and she'll be in the in the net service, my daughter. She's the youngest. She's a sophomore now at Southeastern University, and I, I pray for all of my kids. I pray for my family, but I'll just take Audrey for just a moment because she's the baby, and probably because she's the baby, and, and, and she's the little girl, I may pray a few extra prayers for her. I, I don't know that compared to her two older mean brothers. And so every time I'm praying for Audrey, I'm like, God, I'm just praying that that Audrey will always be in the center of your will for her life. I pray, and I pray primarily, God, let her always be in the center of your will spiritually. And you can pray this for your family. You can pray this for your own life. God, I pray that Audrey will be in the center of your perfect will spiritually. I pray that she'll always know you and love you and grow in you, her walk in relationship with you. And I may pray about that for a while, and then I pray, God, God, I pray that Audrey will always be in the center of your will relationally. God, that means no boys in her life forever. You know that, God, and I I know that. You know, no boy is worthy of, of her, and, you know, if they submit it, Ten-page resume, then I'll consider it. But yeah. no, I, I. But I do pray all serious prayers because that matters a whole lot. I pray for her education. I pray for her career. She wants to be a schoolteacher. I pray that she finishes her education so she can start earning her own money as soon as possible. Isn't it funny, you know, looking, looking back, isn't it funny how when you're real, a lot of you are like this. Some of you don't even know this, but every week, do you know, down at the other end of the theater, we have such fantastic, capable leaders. You know, every week between the two services, we have well over 100 kids down at the other end. And so many of you young families, and I, th- I think about it, you know, you get so excited, you know, a, a pregnancy is announced, a birth, a, you know, arrival date is, is given, and, and you're going to welcome, you know, you- that little boy, that little girl, those kids into the world, and you are so excited about that. And I get that. I've been there. I've done that. But then over time, as you get older, you change. You start getting really excited when they leave and make their own money. And then you can take that money that you were spending on them and you can spend it on your grandkids, which is what you really want to do. But I pray, God, let your will be done in Audrey's, her education, her vocation, her relationship. Uh, Look at these verses. This is Proverbs 16. I love these verses. We may make our plans, but God has the last word. You may think everything you do is right, but the Lord judges your motives. Ask the Lord to bless your plans. Are you doing that? Are you planning without God or are you planning with God? If you're planning with God, that's a good thing. You set yourself up to be blessed by God. Ask the Lord to bless your plans. Look at what the rest of it says, and you will be successful in carrying them out. Try to do it on your own. There's no guarantee. Ask the Lord to bless your plans. This is verse is not on the screen, but listen to it. Proverbs 16 9 says this. We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. And so when we're planning our life, when we're talking about possession, not for us, possession of a land, but the possession of our life, ask God to bless your plans. Ask God. God wants to bless your future. But then God give God the room to redirect his will for your life. And that's what I had that's what I had to do. I had to come to the conclusion that God, you know, here was my dream. Nothing was wrong with my dream. Nothing wrong with wanting to start start a business, grow a business, make a lot of money. Uh, you know, that's that's wonderful. Again, and you know, I pray that for you. I pray that you keep God in the priority of it, but there's nothing wrong with that. But in my case, God actually wanted me to be doing what I'm doing now. And so I had to just relent and say, God, <laughs> redirect, being on my face. God, I'll do what you want me to do. I'll do what I'm called to do. Now, a mistake that we often make, as I mentioned to you, in regards to our future, and James is telling us about this, and I want you to be sure you get it because this can be so helpful to you. Be sure that you do not make your plans without God. James goes on, secondly, to, says, to say this, it's a mistake to make assumptions about our future. And I'm going to spend less time on the, the final two, but I want you to hear them very clearly. I'm not spending less time because they're unimportant. I just want to cover them more quickly. It's a mistake to make assumptions about our future. I cannot, you know, when I think about it, I cannot adequately predict the outcome of a football game, much less what the future holds. You ever try to do that? I try to do that every football season. My my sons tell me all the time, uh, they have names for me, and I can't even remember. They're not, you know, they're not bad names. It's just like goofy names because every season I go into football season so optimistic about my favorite football team. And and I'll, I've I've said to the guys before, look at a twelve game schedule, and I'm like, hey, I think I think we're gonna win this one, and this one, and, and this one, and, and I think well to win, and, and I and they just look at me, and I do the same. I don't know why. I'm I, I have a disease, I guess. I do the same thing every year, and they look at me like, you've lost your mind. <laughs> we're not gonna win that many games. No way. You're, you're being too optimistic in your thinking. That's not going to happen. And, you know, same thing every year. I, I get so excited only, only to be crushed all over again. And I can't adequately predict how even a football game would turn out, much less the future. I want you to listen. This is still James, James 4, 14. He, he says this. Listen to verse 14. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? How do you know? You can't figure that out. Your life, he then adds, your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, then it's gone. Skipping down two verses, verse 16, this is what James says then. You're boasting about your own plans, and all such boasting is evil. You're you're talking as though you can predict the future. you got it all figured out. And James is, is, is saying, you know what? You need to do a timeout right there. Now, he's not trying to caution us against planning, not at all. If, if he was caught, if James right here, listen, friends, in chapter 4 was cautioning us against planning, then he would be going against the prevailing guidance of the rest of the Bible. He is not saying, do not plan. What he is saying is we should plan for the future, but do, do so knowing that we cannot predict the future with exactness. We've got to plan for it, but we can't predict it. So why does that matter? And why does James... try? And this is, don't miss this. Don't, don't say, well, this doesn't really matter. I'm just going to check out for a moment. This matters a whole lot. He is not discouraging us from planning. He just says you can plan, but you can't predict exactly what the future... Now, why is that important? It's important for this reason. If you and I cannot predict what's going to happen in the next five years, which we can't... If we can't predict what's going to happen in the next year even six months from now, or adequately predict what's going to happen a month from now, what place does that bring us back to? That brings us back, hear this now, to a place of absolute trust in God every single day. You got to trust God for today. Listen, you cannot, you cannot live in yesterday, and you don't know exactly. You can have a strategic plan, bring God into it, and pray that God would bless that plan. But that doesn't mean that you can predict the future with accuracy. That's why it's so important. Listen to what Luke eleven three says when, when it reminds us, give us each day our daily bread. You know where God wants to get all of us? Where we're having to depend upon Him every single day of our life every day. God, I don't want to just depend on you, and we're talking about our future and preparing for our future, but God, I need to trust you for today, and then I'm going to need to trust you when I get into tomorrow for that day, and And then after a while, you know what you got? You've got a life, and you've got a future. James here, by the way, is also reminding us that life is extremely brief. It really is by comparison. You know what I really hope, what would really be great? If every single one of you had the opportunity to celebrate at some point in your future your 100th birthday. Wouldn't that be wonderful? I I did a funeral service last year for my grandmother's aunt. She had turned 100. She had not yet reached 101. I had family members, some of you remember me uh, telling this. I had family members went to her 100th birthday in the nursing home where they were. One of my aunts walked up to Aunt Mary, who we called her, and my aunt said to her, Aunt Mary, happy birthday. She's like, thank you, thank you, thank you. She said, my aunt said, Aunt Mary, did you know you're 100 years old today? She said, I am not. Yes, you are. And I hope you get to celebrate your 100th birthday. I hope that it takes a jet engine to blow out all the candles on your birthday cake. (laughs) But even if you do, 100 years is fleeting. James said it's like the morning fog. Now, why would he bring that up? You know what he's saying to us? What's the instruction for us here? Whatever we're going to do and accomplish with our life, we better do it now we better do it now. See, a hundred years may seem like a a long time, but when you start stacking up a trillion times a trillion times a trillion times a trillion years, how eternity is going to be, even a hundred years would just be a microcosm of time. And most of us will not live to be a hundred. So what is James saying? Your your life is brief by comparison. It's like the morning fog. It's a mist. It's here for a moment, and then it's gone. And what is James saying? All right, get on with your plan. You know, invite God into your plan. Don't leave God out of that equation of your life. And God, you know, God has a good plan. You know, go take possession of your life. And what you're going to do, you need to do it now. A couple of verses I want to show you. Look at this one. Proverbs 27.1. Look at this verse right here. Do not boast about tomorrow for you do not know what a day may bring forth. We talked about that. Just say, God, I trust you for today. Now I'm moving forward and I'm gonna get busy now. Look at this next, uh, couple of verses here. This is out of Psalm 31. And this is what we all need to do. But I'm trusting you, O Lord. As I move forward with my life, I'm trusting you. And I'm saying this, you are my God. And God, what does it say? My future is in your hands. God, I trust you with my life. I trust you today, and I'm going to trust you tomorrow, and I'm going to trust you next month and next year. My future is in your hands. And God, I know that you've given me life. And even if I live to be 100, it's going to be brief by comparison. And so while I have time, I'm going to do what you want me to do. Lastly, this last one. When planning for the future, avoid the mistakes of planning without God, of making assumptions about the future. Lastly, don't make the mistake of hesitating to do the right thing hesitating to do the right thing. If I were to ask you, what is sin? That's a broad category, and I would receive a myriad of responses from you, a broad range of explanations. If I were to say, what is sin? And one by one, you just popped up around the theater. Some of you would say, Pastor Jeff, I know what, sin is disobedience. And I'd say, you know what, that is right. Sin is disobedience. Another person would stand up and say, well, you know what sin is? Sin is rebellion. And I'd say, you know, that's right. You're right. Sin is rebellion. Sin is resisting God. And you know, we would acknowledge that. And then if I were to turn it a little bit and say, well, well, let's give me give me some examples. You know what we could do? We could take the next 15 minutes and give examples of what sin is. Now listen, this is what we would do. Categorically, they would all probably fall into that realm of don'ts. Of don'ts. Now, I know, I know, and I I have a high respect. Don't want to be misinterpreted here. I have a high respect for the way that I was raised. I was raised in church. Thank God for it. I was raised in a great home church. Thank God for it. I had great pastors. Thank God for it. And so I am not. I'm just saying what it felt like to me when I was a kid was this. Sin was anything that was fun, anything that I wanted to do. That's what it felt. It's like, you know what, that sounds really, and I developed, and and again, I'm not blaming anybody, and certainly um, I'm being a little bit extremist here, but as a kid, it sometimes felt like growing up, if it is fun, it must be sin. Wow, that'd be, oh, got to be sin. Oh, man, what a, I'm sure it's sin. In fact, I, apparently this became ingrained in me. I used to, I, I kid you not, my sister and I would do this. We would, we would have church when we were kids. I mean, like five and four, we'd have church. And I was I was the pastor, I was the preacher, and I'd sit all my family down. My my little sister would sit at the at a little coffee table, and she would play the piano just before I brought the word. And I'd get up, and I would rail on sin. And I would think of anything that would be Fun, I, and I would—I had this captive audience, my family, and I, I would—I'd would just go through a list of all the sins. I'd say, "You're thinking about going to the pizza place? It is sin." How many of you are glad the pizza place is not sin today? I'm—I'm I'm real, real glad for that. But man, I thought it up. If it sounded fun, it was sin, and I'd preach it hard. But that's what it felt like. But you know what's funny? Looking back. You think, and even in our mentality today, when we think about sin, we think of all the don'ts. But I want you to look at what James wrote. We say sin is don't do this, don't do that, don't do this and this and this. But check out what James says in regards to sin. This is on the screen. This is verse 17. He said, anyone who knows the right thing to do but does not do it is sinning. You see, I never really thought of sin as being something that I was not doing. I thought sin was something I should not do. I'm not going to take the time to really talk about the differences, but there is a difference between sins of commission, the things that we do that we know we should not do, but equally there are the sins of omission, the things we know we should do, but we don't. See, God has given you a beautiful life, a wonderful future. I believe that. I want my life to be blessed, but I want your life to be blessed. I want my family to be blessed, but I want your family to be blessed. I want my future to be bright and successful, but I want your future to be bright and successful. That's why I'm saying to you this morning as we wrap up, as you're planning, plan, be creative, be systematic, plan. Plan with with great creativity and detail. Just don't leave God out. When you're thinking about the future, plan with the future in mind, but don't, don't ever feel, hey, you know, I planned it, therefore I can predict it, because you never know what's waiting around the corner when God may be up to something new in your life. And don't put off what you know you need to do. I want you to look at these last two verses. In fact, you can go ahead and stand with me. Let's look at these last two verses. In fact, would you read them with me? Let's all read them together, and then we're done. Do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it is in your power to act. Do not say to your neighbor, come back later. I'll give it tomorrow when you now have it with you. The operative word there is now. Do it now. Listen, friends, you only get one life. That's it. One. One life. And you don't know how long it's going to last. So do some good do it now. Do something that will live long after you die. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for my family here, God, people that you give me the privilege and opportunity to speak to every single Sunday. I pray that they would be blessed. I pray that they would be successful. I pray that you would give them increase, but in the middle of it all, that you wouldn't be left out, that you'd be the priority. And that, God, what we can do, that we'll do it now, that we'll do some good now. We get one chance. We get one life. It's not a dress rehearsal. This is it. And while we're in this world, help us to do much to advance your kingdom. God, thank you for giving us a purpose. If you were done with us, obviously you would have already taken us home to heaven by now. But you have not. So you've left us here for a reason, with a purpose. And I pray that we will accomplish what you have put us on this earth to do. And if we don't know it clearly yet, reveal it to us, God. We pray in Jesus' name. Everybody set. Let's give Jesus a hand. Can we do it? I love you, everybody. Have a wonderful holiday weekend. See you next Sunday.